Welcome to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. There's a common refrain in positive psychology circles that we need to embrace failure and use it to propel us forward. And while that is true, it sounds a lot like a trite cliche. This episode isn't about organisational or systemic failures in an institutional setting like the medical or aviation industries, but some of what I talk about may well be applicable, at least at a philosophical level and at the level of individual self-reflection. Because I'm not going to talk about the power of learning from failure, of a no-blame culture, or the James Reason Swiss cheese model. All of these things are important, but they're just not as relevant when we look at failure from the personal perspective. And the failure that I'm going to talk about is definitely more personal. When we reflect on our life and know we tried and failed at something, and it could be something related to work, so you messed up a project or had to abandon a goal, But it could also mean a failed relationship, a failed exam, withdrawal from a team, or all of these things. And for some of you, maybe you can't think of anything that you've really failed at, everything you've touched turned to gold, or maybe you just haven't put yourself out there enough to risk failure. Perhaps you've taken the path of least resistance. Well, this episode hopefully will be beneficial to you as well, because if you haven't failed yet, then you will. We all will. But rather than tell you what you already know and have heard a thousand times, like what doesn't kill you will make you stronger and all of that, I want to explore failure from a slightly different perspective. From a perspective of framing. Framing is how we perceive a situation. It's our inbuilt sense of context determined in part by our biases and in part by our mental state or mood. Framing is what can make something hard seem worthwhile or make something positive fill you with dread. We've spoken about this a number of times actually, how the reality that we experience is not actually reality, it's a version of it after it has been filtered through our senses and interpreted by our brain. The chemistry that is going on up there, that is influenced by our mood, diet, fatigue, the last podcast we listened to or TV episode that we watched, as well as what our childhood was like, all subtly or not so subtly influence how we see the world moment to moment. But our experiences reside in that subjective, perceptual context framed by these myriad factors which got us to this point. And it is dynamic. Life is constantly shifting around us and we are shifting within it. So let's frame failure in this context. Failure is defined as a lack of success. We didn't achieve our goal. We we fucked up. Things didn't go to plan. We were defeated or broken. Think of a simple example of something you failed at or a time when you failed. Something obvious may leap out at you, like a divorce, your marriage failed, or maybe a business. Perhaps it was last year's veggie garden, or yesterday's attempt at a flambe. It's hard to generalise thoughts about failure when it covers such a broad spectrum of things, some meaningful and significant, some trivial. But let's try, let's lump them all together and see if my conceptualisation of failure and the thoughts that I'll bring to this discussion apply to failure as a broad concept. So the first important framing concept I want to talk about is time. We know that time is the great healer. Time heals all wounds. And with the passage of time, we learn to live with, if not accept, our experiences, for better or worse. Failure is just another one of those experiences. If you were divorced 10 years ago, you'll no doubt recall the pain and trauma of that time 
and the months and years of recovery. But you'll look at your life now and know that it was for the best. You're a better, happier, stronger person, and it's hard to imagine life having not gone through that experience. Time is a natural frame as it totally changes our perspective as it shifts context away from a narrow view where we don't understand the meaning of an event and failure to just an episode, a chapter that resides in the broader narrative of our lives. There is no short-term cure for emotional hurt and pain, but by at least remembering that failure in the short term will change its meaning in the longer term, it gives us hope that reframing will occur in due course, and what seems like a failure now will take on a new meaning in the future. When we are in the midst of failure, it is all-consuming and time stands still in the experience, but framing the experience in a broader temporal context, that means in a longer time frame, from the big picture, we can then begin to see failure as a passing moment, a, a chapter in our lives that we will eventually move beyond. Reframing failure in a longer time scale keeps us moving forward and reminds us that life hasn't stopped, even though it can feel like it sometimes. It's all a matter of perspective, just as our view of the failure itself is. Which leads us to the next important consideration of failure framing, self-awareness. This is probably the most important point I'm going to make in this episode. When we fail, we often look for external reasons and causes. It's natural to look outside for excuses, for someone or something to blame when things go wrong. It's a self-protection mechanism, especially strong in those with a strong internal sense of self-esteem and ego. We can easily fall into the pattern of thinking that there is little we can control in life, so failure must be embedded within our powerlessness over those things. We tend to attribute 100% or certainly most of failure to what we can't control. But really, nothing exists in isolation. Everything is connected in some way. Yes, we cannot control the weather, but we can control our contingencies and mitigations and anticipation of the weather hampering our efforts. It's not enough to have blind faith or over-reliance on luck, overconfidence. The pragmatist considers all outcomes and builds them into the plan. They anticipate and expect things are going to go wrong. Faming failure according to external factors neglects to consider this important point. We have total control over our choices and behaviours, and that includes both the time before failure and after it. Harvard professor and physician Joseph Losgalzo says, Failure gives us the opportunity to see our existence close up. It is a lens through which we begin to see the flaws in our otherwise perfect and perfectly predictable being. When failure gives us this insight, it emphasizes for us the existential threat that constantly stalks our lives, giving us pause to consider how extraordinary life is. For this reason, failure can be therapeutic, forcing us to realize that the world does not revolve around us, guarding against unbridled arrogance, offering the comfort of humility in its stead. So we must balance our honest self-assessment with acknowledgement of our potential and the things we did do well. A perceptual frame of capability and potential. In honest self-assessment, we must not throw out the baby with the bathwater. In the military and aviation, the post-mission or post-flight debrief always covers the good and the bad, not just the bad. We must caution ourselves against letting failure lead us to an attitude of defeat or negativity. Failure happens, but it doesn't mean you're a bad person, unworthy or incapable of success. Failure misinterpreted can lead us to see our strengths, skills and capabilities as less than they actually are. 
We must be our biggest critic, but also our biggest supporter. And somewhere in this dichotomy lies the path to self-actualization and improvement. Failure at one thing is not failure at everything, or even the thing we failed if we tried again. Our perceptual frame must balance our past failures with our future potential and not let the emotions and frustrations associated with failure sabotage our efforts to grow from the experience and move forward. And this is also important. Framing failure as learning is the next important consideration. You've all heard this one before. It's the cliche I introduced at the beginning. But it is inescapable and finds its way into all conversations about failure. It is pragmatism, optimism and resilience all in one. Failure reframed as fortune sounds easy in theory, but it's hard in practice. But like all emotional experiences, they can be understood and managed by breaking them down into their component parts. Oprah Winfrey said this at a Harvard University commencement speech recently. There is no such thing as failure. Failure is just life trying to move us in another direction. Learn from every mistake, because every experience, encounter, and particularly your mistakes, are there to teach you and force you into being who you are. Sure, somewhere among that cliché platitude, there is some truth. Failure is an opportunity to learn. And that's true, but failure is only valuable if we stop and reflect on it, dissect it, break it down and understand why we failed. This takes humility. The ability to conduct an honest self-appraisal, starting from the inside and working outward, looking first at the decisions and behaviours you made that led to the failure, and not the things external and perceptually outside of your control. If you are successful, do you attribute it to blind luck or your unwavering faith? your sense that you just knew things would work out? Or do you reason that you planned for success, you made the right moves, and carefully constructed your plan, and then executed it? There was no way you could not succeed because of everything you did to ensure success. But the pendulum swings too far inward when we reflect on success, just as we naturally tend to swing it outward when we reflect on failure. We take credit for our victories and blame other things for our failures. It's natural. In reality, at least perceived reality, the pendulum hovers just on this side of the middle, closer to us. Success and failure always involves a bit of luck, good or bad, but most of it comes down to our decisions and our behaviour. So failure is an opportunity to learn, but it is not inherent. We don't fail and then automatically have an aha moment and come back stronger. Rather, failure often defeats us, makes us blame everything but ourselves and give up. Failure is the victor, and no amount of cliches can change that unless we realise that the power to reframe failure and take the valuable learning opportunities it brings come from within. This is hard, very hard, to admit to yourself that you did not do a very good job of planning, preparing, executing or managing the task. But failure is not the end of the story, it's just the beginning, if we choose to frame it that way. There are many tools for being successful. But this episode is not about success or training to win. It's about how we think about failure. Reframing our perspective of failure is not an instantaneous process. Like all things of value, it takes time and a lot of difficult inward-looking self-reflection. But you can set yourself on the right path to receive the epiphany and insight garnered by failure by understanding that it is a process and by making a commitment to realising that process. Let's remind ourselves of the important points again. Reframing occurs over time, 
Hasten the process by imagining how this experience will look in a month, a year, or five. How will you probably think about it when looking back? Is failure catastrophic, or is it a setback on the way to reaching a larger goal? If you can't go over it, and you can't go under it, can you go through it, or around it? Reframing begins with taking a look inside. Reflect on why you failed, why you failed, not why you got unlucky or why the world had it in for you. Ask yourself the hard question, why did I act that way? And when you think you have the answer, ask again, dig deeper. Why did I really act that way? Don't believe the first answer you tell yourself. Your ego is stubborn and fragile. Look deeper to ask, what selfish motivation was really driving me? What lie did I tell myself or others? What misguided assumptions did I make? What advice did I not take out of pride? At what point did I know I was on the wrong path but stubbornly persisted anyway? These questions are important, but you have to keep digging, keep asking, keep being honest, lay it all out. It's a brutal process seeking the truth. But it is in there if you are patient, persistent and willing to listen and face up to the things that hurt. But on the other hand, don't undervalue your capabilities and potential. Do not characterize yourself exclusively by your failures. They should inform your perceptions, but not dictate them. Your perceptual frame should consider not just where you went wrong, but where you went right. A reaffirmation in a time of failure is just as important as an honest self-reflection on where you went wrong. Yes, I got it wrong. But I understand why. And I can and will do better next time because I believe in my ability to succeed and to deserve happiness. Once we've reached this point, we can now begin to reframe failure for its lessons learned. And most of them will be about our decisions, actions and behaviours. We could try the exact same thing again. But if we haven't understood our choices from the first time around, we will likely fail again. If we work through the inward-looking process and understand our actions and why our motivations were misguided, then we can radically alter the outcome. We can literally go down a different path. We see it all the time. One person is successful despite their failures, and one person fails despite their opportunities and successes. The difference is in perspective, framing, and honesty. A failure to succeed is a failure to understand ourselves, a failure to listen, to get a good read on the world and a failure to be humble and open to new ideas and experiences. It's time to get nerdy. Don't worry, it won't take long. On January 28, 1967, Gus Grissom, Ed White and Roger Chafee sat in their Apollo capsule atop an early version of the Saturn V rocket. Grissom, he was the second American to fly in space and was tipped to be the first man on the moon. Ed White was one of the first to make a spacewalk and Roger Chafee was a rising star in the space program. After several hours strapped inside the capsule, they were performing a series of tests when a fire broke out. The cockpit was pressurised with 100% oxygen and the configuration of the hatch meant that it was virtually impossible for the astronauts to open it. Within seconds, they were dead. The space race had claimed its first victims. In the aftermath of this tragedy, NASA's greatest failure till that point, many hard questions were asked, and honest answers were needed. Infamous flight director Gene Kranz reflects, We were too gung-ho about the schedule, and we locked out all of the problems we saw each day in our work. Not one of us stood up and said, Damn it, stop. When you leave this meeting today, you will go to your office, 
and the first thing you will do is to write tough and competent on your blackboards. It will never be erased. Each day, when you enter the room, these words will remind you of the price paid by Grissom, White and Chafee. Kranz's dictum was not about self-belief. From their failure, the team at NASA had to reflect deeply, but not lose sight of their potential and capabilities. Only through competence could they solve the problems and move forward. A thorough review revealed numerous faults and flaws with the Apollo capsule, and they would go on to be fixed. The ninth man to walk on the moon, veteran of six space missions and commander of the first space shuttle flight, John Young, he says, I can assure you, if we had not had that fire and rebuilt the command module, we could not have done the Apollo program successfully. So we owe a lot to Gus and Rog and Ed. They made it possible for the rest of us to do the almost impossible. Gus and White and Chafee made the ultimate sacrifice, but through the failure of Apollo 1 came many successes, reframed by NASA to understand the complexities, challenges and pressures of spaceflight, and a belief in their mission and capabilities to achieve and it eventually culminated in the landing of 12 men on the moon. But there should have been 14. Jim Lovell was commander of the ill-fated Apollo 13 mission, which suffered a malfunction on the way to the moon, and he describes their mission as a successful failure. They did not land on the moon, but through the collective effort of hundreds of people, they did make it home safely. And we too can look at our failures this way if we choose to reframe them as lessons and opportunities for honest self-appraisal and a review of our own systems and procedures. But it is never a one-shot deal. I failed and I learned from it, so now I'm good to go again. No, the lessons in self-reflection must persist. On January 28, 1986, the Space Shuttle Challenger launched from Cape Canaveral, Florida, in what was to be a 10th flight. It exploded 73 seconds later, with the loss of another seven astronauts and the investigation this time was even more extensive and revealed a litany of painful errors of judgment culminating in a massive culture change at NASA. Failures like this challenge our deepest convictions and knock our confidence to pieces. But NASA rebuilt again and the program grew in the wake of the disaster until the loss of the Space Shuttle Columbia on re-entry some 17 years later. NASA failures are always brutal, public and damning. They cannot escape scrutiny from politicians and the public. As we have seen, NASA has failed over and over again with a tremendous price paid in many currencies, especially in life. But like life, we can look back at the history of NASA and see its failures in the time that they occurred and the progress made in the aftermath. How from each failure emerged great successes and innovations and an unwavering confidence and belief in the mission. We can look at ourselves in a similar way and frame failures as turning points or bumps in the road. Whether we choose to analyse, learn and grow from them is a choice we must all make. Failures can be our lowest point or the greatest gifts. It all depends on how we look at them, how we frame them and where we go in their aftermath. Perhaps the most important lesson of all is how we actually label failure. Failure is not an absolute. We may frame a missed target as a failure, But if we gain more from the experience, then it is not a failure at all. It may take some time to see that though. So a failure may evolve to become a turning point, a milestone, just a pivot. And as I said in a recent episode, you can't possibly fail if you act for the right reasons. You can only become a better version of yourself. I often say to people, 
There is nothing original in an episode of the Here and Now podcast. It's a synthesis of ideas others have come up with, or that we already know because they're intuitive, common knowledge or cliches. It's a jumble of ideas assembled together for your oral consumption. I do this unashamedly. The why of the podcast, after all, is to transfer knowledge and information from science, psychology and philosophy to a broad audience. But the reality is, as it recently occurred to me, if you're listening to this now, you're probably not someone who needs complex ideas explained to them, if that is what I'm actually doing. You're more likely to be educated, and we're drawn to this podcast because you know a thing or two about the topics I discuss, or they were of interest to you in some way, and you are curious to hear what I had to say about them. You ask the question, how does this bloke's worldview align with mine? Well, my worldview, just like yours, has been moulded and shaped by my culture, my experiences, and the resulting biases. I might might sound like I'm speaking about things that are truths which I've learned or secrets I've unlocked, but to be honest, in each one of these episodes, I'm working through the concepts in real time, dissecting them and seeing how I really feel about them, what fits, what doesn't, and how I can become a better version of myself by working through the process. I research each topic and build a picture from multiple angles. Now, I invite you along with me on this journey. In fact, I feel like I'm having a conversation, even though it's just me talking, because I need to know you are listening to give my words authenticity. If they don't feel right to me, how can I expect you to take them seriously? You, dear listener, challenge me to be honest, authentic, creative, and committed to delivering more content week after week. So my why grows with every episode as I search my heart and mind for my perspective and to share that with you is a privilege that I take seriously. So thank you for that. But I'd rather not let my thoughts exist in a vacuum. I'd love to hear yours. Does what I'm saying make sense to you? What do you think about the topic? What lessons has life taught you that you think would change my perspective? So I'd love to hear from you, to answer your questions or hear about your story, or maybe to help you work through something in your life. This needn't be a one-way conversation. So get in touch with me. Until then, I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the Here and Now podcast or Twitter at Here Now podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with all of our latest episodes and be sure to give us a rating at the Apple Podcasts app. You can reach out to me via the pages or at the email, email theherenow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.